This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. Well, good afternoon, everyone. How are y'all doing? <laughs> Linda Swain in here. It doesn't sound like I'm on. Am I on? You are on. I'm on. I don't hear myself. You don't hear yourself no, at all, No, but hey? that's okay. I Sometimes I don't need to hear myself. <laughs> I can hear you. <laughs> anyway. Well, that's uh, good. Uh, good to have you back, Claudette. Thank you. How was your extended break? Mm-hmm. Break this time of year? I know. I tried to stop and smell the roses a little bit. By that, I mean I looked at the lights in CBS, <laughs> and they were beautiful. Um, but, uh, yeah, just trying to tick off that to-do list, which is ever so long, so you're constantly doing something. <laughs> Tell me about it. I'm sneaking things in yes. everywhere I go. You yeah. know, i got to get some milk. Hang on now. I'll get this, 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 you know. Or I, you know, got to mail this or pick oh, up that. Yeah, or you can't just whatever. do one thing. It's no, a multitask it's month. Hundred things. Yes, all the time. And and when you think you you you're making progress, you realize that oh, I've forgotten this whole aspect of my life. Yeah. So when you feel <laughs> less stressed and calm, and you're like, oh, this is kind of oh, oh, right. There's <laughs> right. all these things I'm not doing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what, what's the old adage? If you're not doing something, there's something you're not doing. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I hear you. I feel you, yeah. sister. <laughs> there you go. High five. Well, uh, if you were out and around yesterday afternoon, you know what a messy, dirty old day it turned oh, out yeah. to be. Yeah. It was gross. But, you know, I, I don't mind driving in that if I have no place to be and I'm going really, really slow. But, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. And uh, God love him, Richard Duggan. You, you you gotta appreciate you know when you're at the end of your hard working day and you walk out into the parking lot and you're like oh, i gotta clean off the car yeah. and the car is cleaned off and there was a little, a little elf i'm not calling him a little elf no he's my <laughs> i don't know He's sweet. I mean, anybody who knows Richard, that's that's his personality, right? To do something nice for others is just in his DNA. Exactly. Well, he cleaned off the car for me yesterday. So, oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, that was worth yeah a billion dollars at that particular moment so <laughs> thank you richard duggan uh, i appreciate that wholeheartedly but it was it was gross out last night and a lot of people wondering what happened because remember we had the snowstorm that wasn't a snowstorm in metro anyway yeah and then all of a sudden we had you know a, a sprinkling of snow that turned out to be a fairly significant amount of snow so uh, uh we wanted to find out what happened uh david neal is uh with the uh, Environment Canada Weather Centre in Gander, and he joins me now. Well, good afternoon, David Neal. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? Great. So, a bit of a nasty commute yesterday. Were we, were we expecting as much snow as the uh, Northeast Avalon received yesterday? 
Uh, well, what we had uh, yesterday, we had a, a, low, a low pressure system that kind of tracked its way south of the island. So uh, we were expecting uh, some snow uh, in the metro area and across uh, across the Avalon Peninsula yesterday. Generally, we had uh, about five to ten centimeters initially forecast. Those uh, those forecasts were uh, uh, were updated throughout the day to uh, to include uh, some some slightly higher amounts, especially for the uh, for the night period uh, yesterday, which uh, um, uh, recall the, uh, the 4 p.m. forecast. Uh, bump that up to 10 centimeters, but all told, um, what we got in uh, at St. John's uh, Airport uh, through yesterday and into uh, into this morning, uh, about 13 centimeters of snow down, and we also had a report at Mount Pearl uh, of around 11 centimeters. So, uh, you know, some decent uh, decent accumulations for uh, uh, that uh, that came in there yesterday, with uh, with a lot of that falling uh, really more into the evening and night period. So what can we expect now, uh, either today or through the remainder of the week? Uh, what we're going to see for the rest of the week, um, really looking across the province, uh, really just looking at a lot of very like scattered, spotty, isolated flurries really across most of the island. Uh, the west coast uh, likely to see a few more persistent uh, flurries. Uh, right now we're, uh, we have a, a snow squall watch in effect just for the Bay St. George area for tomorrow, uh, expecting some uh, some heavier flurries in, in that area. Uh, but yeah, generally across the island, looking at a few days, uh, a bit cooler temperatures, but uh, a bit below the norm for this time of year uh looking uh just kind of looking at st john's itself and, and the uh, the metro area looking at daytime highs um over the next few days uh just just a bit below zero um uh, over the next few days and some breezy conditions so some uh, chilly wind chills as well uh so basically that's what we're looking just a lot of just very scattered spotty flurries uh here or there uh over the the uh, really the, the remainder of the, the work week Of a white Christmas. And that's uh, good to hear. Um, so, I mean, what are we now? December, what's the date today? The 5th? Um, can we expect to see this snow linger? Are we going to have a white Christmas? Uh, well, looking right now at the, um, just kind of looking a little bit ahead in the extended range, uh, as I mentioned throughout the rest of this week, looking at uh, some cooler, colder temperatures, a lot of like scattered flurries, that sort of thing. Uh, does look like uh, we are going to see another another system coming in the uh, in the long range, getting more into the early part of the next week, and, and overall uh, a lot of our uh, longer range uh, models been uh, fairly consistent uh, with bringing in a bit of a mild spell. Uh, coming into the early part of next week so uh, whether that sticks around long enough whether we get enough kind of rain and, and, and warm temperatures to uh, uh, to eliminate the snow that's uh, that's on the ground that remains to be seen uh, but certainly looking at a, a bit of a, a mild push uh, coming in uh, for, for the uh, for, especially for the island possibly into parts of Labrador as well uh, getting to the early part of next week so it's possible it could uh, that could take a bit of a bite out of the uh, snow that we have down now in terms of looking ahead to uh, uh, to Christmas, of course, uh, everybody uh, likes you know waking up uh, Christmas morning and seeing uh, uh, seeing some snow on on the ground. Uh, so basically, looking at um, right right now, uh, according to uh, uh, according to the statistics we have on our, our website, uh, what we're kind of looking at now is roughly for for the St. John's area anyway, about a two thirds chance uh, of seeing a white Christmas. Um, just for comparison's sake, looking at, uh, at last year, just uh, bringing up the uh, what we uh, what we saw there last year for around Christmas, 
Um, really not in, in, in St. John's area anyway, not really a white Christmas, just looking at trace snowfall uh, on the ground and actually uh, looking at some of the temperatures last year. Uh, it hit a high of 11 degrees on Christmas Eve and, and then 8 degrees on Christmas Day, so it was a rather mild um, cr- uh, Christmas at that uh, that stage last year. So still remains to be seen. Uh, certainly in the next uh, little while, some colder temperatures for the rest of the work week, uh, but possibly a bit of a, a mild push coming into the early part of next week. David Neal, no doubt we'll be chatting again. Uh, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Okay, not a problem. Thank you. And uh, David Neal, of course, uh, with the Environment Canada Weather Centre in Gander. I can't remember that, uh, Claudette. It was 11 degrees on Christmas Eve last year. You know, I don't even know what I got for Christmas last year at all. Like, I, I forget stuff like that, so I would definitely forget the weather. Note to self, don't get Claudette anything. <laughs> She's not going to appreciate it. No, I, oh, I, it's just I feel like I'm always a clean slate. It's like, I, <laughs> I get know, exactly. <laughs> we had a morning meet. We have a morning meeting in our yeah. newsroom every every morning, as you can appreciate. Like, what are the, you know, what who's yeah. pursuing what? What what are you working on, Linda? And I actually, the words came out of my mouth this morning. I said, I don't know. I'm a clean clean slate every day i haven't got a clue i gotta try it just oh my goodness gracious well <laughs> i'm teasing you of course but I know. you know if you had to press me i wouldn't be able to tell you either so okay I, I mean that's something significant you think we'd remember that yeah but no i don't remember it being 11 degrees on no. christmas eve last year i do not remember that but no there you go it was warm so uh you know who knows lots of people like cold christmases uh, snowy christmases other people uh don't mind going golfing on christmas <laughs> so uh we shall see um according to david neal well, well when we come back um uh, federal defense minister bill blair addresses uh, some of the findings of this uh, stats canada survey on uh, sexual assault or reported sexual assault within the Canadian Armed Forces, and uh, the numbers are uh, quite concerning. Uh, So Bill Blair will respond to that. We'll also hear from the opposition's Helen Conway-Ottenheimer about conditions at Her Majesty's Penitentiary. When we come back after this, this is News Talk on VOCM. Win your Christmas cash with a VOCM Cares for the Community 50-50 draw. Buy your tickets until December 16th at VOCM. CMCares.com. And we are back. Well, a 2022 Statistics Canada survey conducted in partnership with the Canadian Armed Forces shows that 1,960 regular force members, or 3.5%, reported that they had been sexually assaulted involving Canadian Armed Forces or other military members in the year preceding the survey. That's a, a big increase from the uh, previous reporting periods. The rate of sexual assault, which includes unwanted sexual touching, sexual attacks, and sexual activity, where the victim was unable to consent, is a significant increase from rates reported in 2016. It was 1.7% then. And 2018, 1.6%. And uh, it also shows, by the way, that reporting is down. Well, Lieutenant General Jenny Carignan is encouraged with uh, an increase in reporting and bystander intervention when incidents do occur. Stats Canada says most of the victims of sexual assault did not report the incident to anyone in authority and Lieutenant General Carignan says many felt that the way in which the complaint was addressed was more harmful than the incident itself. In that regard, she says they aim to do better. The most common form of sexual assault experienced by regular force members was unwanted sexual touching and one third of those reporting sexual assault believed that it was related to 
the perpetrator's use of alcohol or drugs? Well, that's leading to a lot of questions, some of which were fielded today by Defence Minister Bill Blair in the House of Commons just a short while ago. This survey shows that out of all the people that responded, more than 30% of them believe that their sexual assault, there was alcohol involved. Does the military have a problem with alcohol and should it be banned? Well, actually, society has a problem with alcohol and I can tell you from my previous experience as a police chief, alcohol and other intoxicants are often um, an implication, implicating factor in, in, in sexual assault and, and misconduct generally. But, but certainly I think there's, there is information in that statistical report that we can learn from and we can look very clearly at the circumstances on, under which alcohol might have been a factor in these cases and, and steps can be taken with in the military justice system, within our own orders, within this, the good order of, of, of the Canadian Armed Forces to ensure that alcohol would not be a factor in these cases. There, there is learning opportunities from this statistical report. Clearly, alcohol can be a factor. We'll, we'll determine whether or not, based on, based on what our own people are telling us, whether steps can be taken. I believe there may be opportunities for us to deal with that. This is not society. This is a military that's facing sexual misconduct crisis, where you have a new survey that shows that the, there's been an increase in the sexual assault rate even last year. So should the military ban alcohol to help change its culture? I, I think we have to look at the use of, of alcohol and other intoxicants in society generally, but certainly within the Canadian Armed Forces, and where it is a factor in, in these cases, then steps can be taken. And I think that's one of the strengths of the Canadian Armed Forces, steps can be taken in order to limit the, the impact that intoxication can have on, on these offences. But there's a great deal of work. It's a very broad subject. And you, know, and you made reference, actually, to, to an increase in reporting. And, and certainly, let me acknowledge that that's what's clearly indicated in the statistics, and it's deeply concerning and we recognize the concern of that. But I think it's also important that 75% that of, of the respondents indicated that they had witnessed an improvement in the way in which the Canadian Armed Forces were dealing with this. This report was completed in October of last year. Since that time, there's been a great deal of work done with respect to our Arbor's recommendations, my, my predecessor um, indicating our willingness and, and to, to implement all of those recommendations, the important work of General Carignan to come step forward and, and to take on responsibility for bringing about a lot of the, these changes. An increase in reporting is deeply concerning to us, but I think it can also be indicative of, of a, a perhaps greater confidence among victims that if they do come forward and, and bring, bring, bring forward their complaints, that they will be taken seriously. That really is our greatest responsibility to make sure that if, um, in, uh, ideally, this never happens in the Canadian Armed Forces, but when it does occur, I want to make sure that every member of the service knows that they are respected, that they'll be treated with dignity, that their, their complaint will be taken seriously, and that the system of the criminal justice system and the culture of the Canadian Armed Forces will treat them appropriately to help them resolve the, 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 their, their complaint, but also to make sure that the supports are there to help them recover from the trauma that these events can and that is Defence Minister Bill Blair speaking with reporters outside the House of Commons today on this um, 2022 Statistics Canada survey uh, showing that um, uh, sexual assault, uh, reported sexual assault involving Canadian Armed Forces or other military members um, had increased um, rather significantly over the preceding year. Well, the PC Justice critic says the silence from government regarding the goings-on at Her Majesty's Penitentiary is unacceptable. That was Helen Conway Ottenheimer's key message when she met with reporters outside the House of Assembly this afternoon. But she began by acknowledging the latest death at the prison late last week. 
So uh, first of all, I would like to extend uh, my condolences uh, on behalf of the um, PC opposition for uh, the family and friends of uh, Mr. Um, Seamus Flynn. Um, who has passed away um, recently at uh, His Majesty's Penitentiary. So um, I'm speaking today because of the concerns that we have with respect to the fact that uh, we have not heard uh, from the Minister of Justice and Public Safety uh, with respect to reports, first of all, that have been recently um, uh, obtained through the media um, and which were reported uh, last week and uh, has given much attention to the situation that is clearly worsening uh, in His Majesty's Penitentiary. So uh, we need to hear from the Minister of Justice and Public Safety. Uh, we need to hear that uh, there is action being taken uh, with respect to the uh, deplorable conditions that uh, are occurring there. We have been hearing about these conditions for months and months, if not years, and yet it appears that government, and in particular the Department of Justice and Public Safety, who are responsible are not um, giving this the attention that it needs. First of all, when we see that um, there isn't attention, for example, being given to uh, basic uh, maintenance issues for the last uh, number of months uh, with respect to um, you know, drinking water and the rodent issue is still um, very much um, evident in, in the penitentiary. Uh, also, um, the reference to the overcrowding uh, issue uh, and uh, the fact that there may be double and triple bunking of inmates in their cells is a very much concern. I've also heard uh, independently that that is uh, becoming a more serious issue in terms of capacity at uh, the uh, penitentiary. That also causes stress and strain, not only on the inmates, but also uh, on the uh, staff who have to work there. So we're hearing that uh, you know they're very stressed by the fact that the counts have gone up we're seeing double bunking and uh, again these are problems that need to have uh, immediate attention and what we're concerned about is the silence from government from the Department of Justice on these matters so that is obviously of serious concern uh, the second death in four months we have not heard any information with respect respect to the, the uh, man that passed away uh, back in August. So we, we, we are in the dark and the government has an obligation to inform the public about what has happened there, if there's any connection, is it related to conditions uh, within the penitentiary, is it related to uh, staff shortages within the penitentiary. These are very important questions that need to be answered, and we need to hear from the Minister of Justice and Public Safety on those questions. And that is opposition justice critic uh, Helen Conway Ottenheimer on uh, some of the um, uh, 
outstanding issues, if you will, uh, that are occurring uh, surrounding conditions at Her Majesty's Penitentiary and um, in relation to the death of an inmate there late last week uh, and offered her condolences to the uh, family and uh, loved ones of Seamus Flynn. Well, the NDP is asking Immigration Minister Mark Miller to issue special visas that would let Canadians um, get their extended family members out of Gaza. But Miller says a Canadian visa isn't enough to let people uh, get people into Egypt, and he is considering other options. An Ontario man says he hasn't gone a day without crying since the war started because he can't get his two children and wife out of Gaza. His 13-year-old daughter and his 9-year-old son are Canadian citizens and on a list of foreigners allowed to cross into Egypt, but his Palestinian wife is not and the kids can't travel on their own. Israel is urging more Palestinians to clear out of southern Gaza as it forces uh, its forces push deeper into the, the territory, but many feel there is no safe place for them to go. So the uh, fighting continues um, unabated in that region. And the world watches with great uh, distress as... Um, people's lives um, are uh, completely upended or in many cases uh, many many civilians have uh, died on both uh, sides of this um, uh, terrible conflict that began of course as we recall back on October the 7th. Well we're going to have some more information when we come back about um, the impact of the uh, rising cost of living uh, that it's having here in Newfoundland and Labrador. We'll speak with the Salvation Army when we come back after news. This is News Talk on VOCM. Make a request anytime by calling 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. And your request just might win you a cozy VOCM winter toque. Your Merry Christmas station. Your VOCM. And we are back. Well, this is some uh, concerning news for anybody who's watched global politics over the last uh, number of decades. And this is a very formidable figure. An aide says that Poland's former president and Nobel Peace Prize winner, 80-year-old Lech Wałęsa, has been hospitalized with a bad case of COVID-19. A post on Wałęsa's Facebook uh, page Tuesday shows him on on, in a hospital bed with an oxygen mask on. The aide says he's seriously ill but under good care in a hospital in Gdansk. It's Wałęsa's second bout of COVID. Starting in 1980, Wałęsa spearheaded Poland's pro-democracy solidarity movement that nine years later led to the peaceful ouster of communism from Poland and inspired other countries to shed Moscow's domination. In 1983, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. In 1990-95, he served as Democratic Poland's first popularly elected president. So a uh, pivotal figure in uh, recent history, Lech Wałęsa in hospital uh, battling COVID-19 and and, uh, quite ill, uh, according to an aide, but getting good care. Um, Well, Back home, the cost of living has jumped dramatically, That and that, combined with post-COVID housing pressures and affordability issues, has led to a big increase in the need for services like that provided by the Salvation Army. Jamie Locke is the Divisional Secretary for Public Relations with the Salvation Army here in Newfoundland and Labrador, and he joins me now. Have you seen the need increase? We have. We have, absolutely. Um, 
when I speak with our frontline staff, I mean, my, my role is simply to, to share uh, the message of the Salvation Army and what we're seeing. And when I speak with our frontline staff, not only here in St. John's, but right across the province and into Labrador, um, we're seeing an increase in, in uh, requests for assistance. And uh, the Salvation Army, we, we do our best to provide a dignified and compassionate approach to offering people services. And the last thing that we ever want to see is, you know, turning to our food pantries and seeing that there's not enough on the shelves. Or when it comes to our Christmas support campaigns, um, you know, trying to pack toy hampers for children, for their, for their families. And, uh, and running short. The generosity of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians uh, traditionally rises to meet the need, but we're kind of in uncharted territory with the amount and the increase that we're seeing here in 2023. Are you surprised by it, or were you sort of anticipating that something like this might happen? Absolutely anticipating it, because we, uh, you know, we're all feeling the effects of the increased costs of living uh, and the impact that inflation is having, as well as, you know, the frequent um, conversations that take place around the housing crisis that's happening nationally in, in our country. And so we, we've been doing our best to prepare ourselves um, to, to be able to meet the needs that are, that are being presented to us and find our, our peace. Um, you know, there, there isn't one single solution, of course, and I think that's the message that, that's coming through from, uh, you know, our partners in government as well as other community partners that are stepping up to, to offer services to the vulnerable population. Um, there isn't one single solution. And so we all try to do our part. And at the Salvation Army, we, we have, um, you know, when we have beds that are available, we try to fill them quickly. And the other thing that we do, and we, we tend to know well, it's, it's food services. And we're serving, um, you know, in excess of a 1,000 meals a week out of the Chesapeake Center of Hope and the Wiseman Center here in St. John's. Other Salvation Army locations across the province are doing the same. <clears throat> in Cornerbrook, I know they're experiencing an increase in requests for assistance at Christmas and uh, through the, uh, the, food, uh, the food bank, the Community Food Sharing Association Food Bank, and at the Salvation Army. We just want to do our part. And, uh, and I guess that's why it's an important time of year to also bring attention to our fundraising efforts. Uh, it's a great time to donate because when you make a donation to the Salvation Army, you're supporting the work that's happening right there in your own community. How have you had to uh, adjust to this increased need? The Salvation Army is constantly trying to uh, evolve and adapt our programs and services. I mean, we're we're uniquely positioned in Newfoundland and Labrador, serving at over, over 70 locations. Um, but some ways that we've had to modify our services would include just um, trying to stretch the dollars that we have, uh, making sure that we're um, getting the absolute uh, best price that we can on, on food that's being purchased, that's then prepared and served in our facilities and in our mobile outreach programs. Um, we're, we're doing what we can uh, to meet the need, but as you've already identified, it is continuing to increase. And of course, that's of concern to us, but we count on the generosity of the public uh, to support us and other organizations that are also doing fantastic work. 
So, uh, of course, a lot of these issues are very prominent these days and people feeling very helpless in a lot of ways, wondering what they can do to help. So um, any suggestions on how people can help, uh, you know, towards this cause? You know, I think one of the greatest things that we can all do individually is listen and be attentive, Um, have conversations with people. You know, anybody who might feel comfortable engaging in a conversation, simply saying hello to people that are on the street or seem to be, you know, uh, living rough or experiencing challenges. I think these are eye-opening moments for many of us. And uh, when we step back uh, from those conversations and take a moment to simply realize that many of us are just one paycheck away uh, from finding ourselves in a situation where we, too, could be homeless, we, too, could need to reach out to the food bank for help, uh, I think that that just provides a a little bit of clarity on the situation. Uh, We believe that Every individual should be treated with dignity and respect and uh, their needs met as, as best we can uh, through uh, learning uh, of, of what it is we can, we can do to help. And so the Salvation Army, our approach is typically to start with food. Uh, we know that if somebody's hungry uh, or cold, then uh, that's the primary need in that moment. And it's through those services, that offering of a hot meal, of a cup of coffee, uh, or a a warm jacket, whatever the need might be, that conversation can then begin to unfold and next steps uh, determined in partnership with the individual that's uh, experiencing uh, challenges. Jamie Locke, I do appreciate your time uh, today. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. Thank you for shedding light on this absolutely uh, critical uh, situation that we're experiencing here in our province. And Jamie Locke is the Divisional Secretary for Public Relations with the Salvation Army here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Well, when we come back, a big announcement from Newfoundland-based Genoa Design International. It synced a big deal with a uh, shipbuilding uh, company in British Columbia. We'll tell you what that's all about when we come back after the break. This is News Talk on VOCM. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons for from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. And Newfoundland-based Genoa Design International has inked a deal with C-SPAN shipyards in British Columbia for the construction of Canada's new polar icebreaker. The deal will see Genoa provide 3D modeling and design services for the construction of the ship, which is being described as the future flagship of the Canadian Coast Guard's icebreaking fleet. The physical vessel will be built by C-SPAN in British Columbia. It will replace the agent Louis Saint-Laurent, which, uh, the current icebreaker, which has been in operation for nearly six decades. Here are some of the comments made by Genoa CEO Gina Picor and Senior Vice President of Programs at C-SPAN, Leo Martin. 
We are here today to announce, to celebrate and announce the formal signing of a contract between Genoa Design International and C-SPAN Shipyards related to the construction of Canada's next polar icebreaker. So a lot of us are going to talk about this today, but it's so great that the our heavy polar icebreaker, the Louis Saint Laurent, is right there now, and it's in harbour. It came in just for our announcement, is what I'm telling myself. And, uh, and, and some of the crew are here, which is great, um, and I'm told that ship is in fine operating order, but uh, maybe won't be in a few years' time, so a new polar icebreaker is in, is, uh, in need for sure. So this is a significant deal. In fact, it is the largest and most important contract in my company's history. The contract will see Genoa provide 3D modeling and design technology services for the Polar Icebreaker program, resulting in over 100 Genoa employees annually working on the project for the next several years. Today's contract signing represents just one component of the full design requirement for the Polar program. The expected value for Genoa is expected to reach or exceed $80 million. We will recruit, train, and advance the skills of hundreds of designers, developers, and project managers over the course of the program as we develop and deliver the digital ship. And it's really important that we, we understand that the, this work effort culminates in a digital replica, a deep data replica of the physical asset. And of course, that's becoming more and more critical in today's modern shipbuilding and operation universe. As the future flagship of the Canadian Coast Guard's icebreaking fleet, the new icebreak, polar icebreaker is vital to Canada. The aging Canadian Coast Guard ship Louis Saint-Laurent, now over 55, I think it's 56 years old, badly needs a replacement soon to ensure we can continue to reach the far north, which is so important to Canada and to Newfoundland and Labrador, to support our fleets as well as those of our allies. A new polar is just one element of Canada's national shipbuilding strategy. Through a commitment to domestic capacity building, the NSS, which was launched just over 10 years ago, had a commitment to ensuring a ready workforce for support to support and build Canada's ocean economy. And companies like Genoa um, went from uh, sometimes just single digits in terms of employees and a small revenue base and have grown their capacity with readiness to export and to serve domestically. So that's pretty exciting for all and uh, a nod to the federal government for the wisdom in establishing that program as they did. A new polar is also vital to Newfoundland and Labrador, supporting fishing and commercial fleets, maintaining northern sovereignty, and aiding in the advancement of emerging and high, highly important Arctic priorities. But there's also more benefit for this province, and that's why we're here today with all of you in the room. Contracts such as this represent exciting new opportunities for this province. Our geography gives us a strategic imperative on global defense priorities, the shift away from fossil fuels, climate change, and ocean research. Arctic sovereignty and the promise of artificial intelligence to add new value to all of that. What we can do from right here in this province is boundless. There is so much from our geographic position with the depth of resources and talent we have here, which our Premier speaks about so regularly. There is a huge opportunity for us to meet and support these emerging global imperatives. 
I'd like to thank the Government of Canada, as I said, for the wisdom of the National Shipbuilding Strategy and for continuing to honour over the past 10 years the commitment to Canadian supplier development. I think it's fair to say that um, this partnership with C-SPAM would not have happened without that in place. A thank you as well to the Government of Newfoundland and Labrador. Through initiatives under departments such as Industry, Energy and Technology, Canada has been able, Genoa, sorry, has been able to grow its brand and explore new markets for our world-class services. And thank you to our customer, to C-SPAN Shipyards for the long-term partnership and support which has allowed us to reach this point. We look forward to working together, and I'll look at Leo precisely. He's in charge of this program. We look forward to working together, working very hard, to successfully deliver Canada's next polar icebreaker. And of course, a huge thank you to Genoa's employees. We have a lot of them in the room today, and we're going to head back to the office this afternoon and, and chat with even more. Um, it's due to your hard, hard work, of course, and your skills that we are here today. This agreement is made possible because of you. So thank you all for coming this morning and, uh, and for your continued interest and support in Genoa. I'm now going to ask Leo Martin, um, Senior Vice President in Charge of Programs at C-SPAN, to come up and say a few words. This contract really is the epitome of what the National Shipbuilding Strategy was designed to do. The whole premise was to rebuild an industry and provide benefits to Canadians from one coast to another. And I think this contract does that in spades. Um, Today is also a celebration about the partnership and relationship we have with Genoa and how that's been fostered over the course of the last decade. Um, Genoa have partnered with us in a number of our major programs, all the way from the design and support of the, the three uh, offshore fishery vessels for the Coast Guard that are currently in service. They provided the lead design efforts for the offshore oceanographic science vessel that's currently in construction and will be launched in the early part of next year. And then their support on the joint support ships, which are the two ships under construction for the Royal Canadian Navy across in Vancouver. But today, this contract signing is all about polar, and it's all about the major milestones we're making to provide uh, Canada a presence in the north again. This is the first design and build of a polar icebreaker in Canada for over 60 years, and it's such a momentous occasion for us all. Uh, the other thing I would probably like to talk about is companies like Genoa continue to help support the NSS as a whole and help C-SPAN deliver on their commitments to the Government of Canada under the NSS. C-SPAN continues through the NSS to deliver on its commitments and support sovereignty, security and the economy. Over the past decade through the NSS, C-SPAN have contributed over $5.7 billion in GDP. We have sustained over 7,000 jobs across the country. And through that, we have awarded over $240, uh, $240 dollars, million dollars, sorry, of contracts to major Canadian companies just like Genoa. Um, so as we evolve over the next 10 years, our relationship and partnership with Genoa is absolutely critical as we start to improve. And NSS for C-SPAN and Genoa is working, and it's working very, very well. We are starting to deliver outputs through designs, our blocks and ships faster at a lower cost and far more efficiently than we ever have before. And that will continue to evolve as the years, as the years come on. So again, I'd just like to thank Genoa. I'd also like to thank our, our wider Canadian supply chain base. We've got well over 400 Canadian suppliers supporting us across the NSS and in particularly on Polar as well. So again, huge thank you to the team and the support that we get from Genoa.
Well, that's Leo Martin, uh, president of programs at C-SPAN out of British Columbia, obviously originally from Scotland. No trouble to pick that out. And um, we heard earlier from Genoa uh, uh, CEO Gina Picor, and she is based here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Richard Duggan was there, but Richard Duggan also attended a really upbeat Christmas event today. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so it's the 15th annual Rogers Rogers Moise uh, Community Christmas Dinner. And Linda, can I do assignments every day where I get to eat a turkey dinner? Because it was like I walked into the building and the smell just hit me and it was like I had walked into heaven. It was absolutely incredible. Um, but it was so such a heartwarming event. It was about 200 people packed into the KFC uh, down on St. Clair Avenue. And um, like if if you want like I, I just couldn't help but smile throughout the whole thing because you see families there and uh, um, you know little kids were running around and they had bands up at the top and they were playing music and uh, then they had the servers going out and, and serving everyone their food which can't be no small feat to prepare over 200 turkey dinners um, and it was just a really uh, sweet um, uh, event to go see and just to get to see some, some people who uh, you know maybe won't have anyone to go to on Christmas Day or maybe don't have any family around that they could share a meal with getting people to getting people together and just to see that that community camaraderie was really something special yeah, it is a special event. They've been doing this for quite a few years now, haven't they? Yeah, 15 years Just they've imagine. been doing this. Yeah. Yeah, and the uh, the representative from Rogers, Rogers Moise, who I spoke with at the thing, he said that he's been to every single one that they've done over the last 15 years. And he said it's a really uh, special uh, tradition for him to be able to put it off and to just give a little bit back to the community. Must like you say, it must a lot of planning and a lot of uh, work goes into something like that. Imagine now two hundred turkey dinners. So, mm-hmm. you know, how and do you figure that out? I could, I've got a job to figure out how to feed five people. Absolutely. And uh, when I asked him about that, you know, he really he praised up the the Knights of Columbus uh, for being the ones to to help organize this and help put this off. And I gotta say, it was uh, inc- incredibly well organized. So after I had had gone in, I did a couple of interviews and I uh, you know took a few pictures and stuff um, they said well y- you can have a turkey dinner if you want and you don't need to twist my arm too much to get me to eat turkey dinner so I was like okay and they said yeah just go take a seat anywhere and within 50 seconds there was a plate in front of me they had people walking around delivering the food and just like incredibly efficient like I've I've been to a couple of big events like that and I don't think I've ever seen something so well coordinated in terms of getting people their food that's amazing. And, you know, usually when it takes you a little bit of time to come back from an assignment, I just figure you're working hard and uh, <laughs> collecting lots of, uh, you know, news for us. And uh, today you got to fill your belly. That's great. Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was rolling out of the Knights of Columbus while you were wondering where I was, too. Um, another thing that I do want to mention about the event, which was really sweet, um, and I... I don't know. I, I think this might be something that you would really only see in Newfoundland and Labrador, maybe maybe other places, but this specifically makes me think of, of, of this province, is uh, they had the bands were up there playing. They had a choir. Uh, they had Chris Andrews from Shanty Ganuck was up there for a bit. Uh, they had Terry Riley there. And during a couple of the songs, people, random couples would get up and just start dancing in the middle of the aisleways, or they would make their way up to the, in, in front of the microphone, and they, would, they were just waltzing and just having such a great time. And I that's something that I 
I think might be exclusive to Newfoundland. That that's just something another aspect of it that really warms warms the heart. Wow, that is so wonderful. So I'm so, I'm so glad you got an opportunity to take that in today because you know. Let's be honest, we're in a business where not all the news is good and mm-hmm. um, it can wear on you over time, but uh, you got a chance to, I guess, get some of the Christmas spirit going. Yeah. yeah. And this time of year especially is really nice too because we get a few of those types of events now, over, especially in December. We have this. We have, uh, for example, the Enriching Car- uh, Lives Car Giveaway that I've covered a couple of times and just nice heartwarming events like that and getting to see, especially for people who you know may you know maybe struggling a little bit and just to get them just to see them smiling and having a good time like it there's nothing better richard duggan thank you so much thank you linda this was fun and i'm so glad you got a good meal <laughs> i was gonna <laughs> use some kind of a, a term about you know food but uh, yeah yeah no i mean uh, look if they put five plates of, of turkey dinner in front of me i will Gone. put yeah 100% and uh, my wife will attest to that <laughs> <laughs> Richard thank you so much uh, and uh, that's it for us for today um, you didn't bring any back by the way I did notice that still there <laughs> no I I will have to keep that in mind for next year <laughs> or, you know what maybe it's a a three reporter event we, we need to there bring the go. whole crew we down to, there right the whole crew needs to go down <laughs> to cover that next year thank you richard duggan thank you. um we'll be back tomorrow do join us then thanks for listening everyone bye bye for now